Good morning, my brothers and sisters. Welcome to episode seven. We are starting the New Testament, and we're going to start in Luke chapter one, verse five. And this describes the birth of a child at the very beginning of Luke. Now, here's the thing. It's not Jesus. It's somebody else. It's John the Baptist. And a very long piece of scripture describes the time and the place and the the setting for John the Baptist, obviously an important character. Let's read. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, he, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. He had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So right away, we get this placement into history. This Herod, king of Judea, this is Herod the Great, Herod the Builder. Uh, he reigned from 37 BC to 4 BC. Uh, he was a big deal and helped actually to rebuild the temple. The, as you remember, when the Babylonians came, they kind of sacked the temple. In 586, the Jews came back and started to rebuild it. And then uh, Herod uh, obviously did some improvements as well. It's even known as Herod's Temple, which is sort of a horrible thing that God's temple would have Herod's name on it. Anyway... Uh, I like that that already we have this breaking of 400 years of silence and boom, into time and into place with real people, real politicians, but also just real mom and dad, Zechariah and Elizabeth. All right, so let's see. So they're barren, and we're going to find out, was their sin the reason for their barrenness? And the answer is no. Verse 6, and they were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. So it's not their sin that causes their barrenness. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So we find out that God is going to be is sovereign over their birthing and non-birthing, and he's going to use his sovereignty in a bad thing, which is, is uh, barrenness. Now we're going to find out a lot about uh, Zechariah's job. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And a whole multitude of people were praying outside at that hour of incense. So the temple has this outer court area and then inner court. And then uh, way on the middle is... Uh, central is the Holy of Holies. And one guy once a year went in there uh, and dealt with the sin. On the daily basis, however, there was an altar of incest right outside, right where the curtain, you know, the curtain that's torn at Jesus's resurrection. Uh, Right outside that curtain is an altar of incense that needed to be uh, fired up, uh, representative of the the smoke and the uh, prayers that are ascending to the Lord. So a very important job. He's chosen by lot to do it. And then verse 11, big thing happens here. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. I love the the detail. And then what happens when you get an angel? Uh, Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, no kidding. And fear fell upon him. And then the angel, but the angel said to him, So it's a verbal angel. Some angels are not. Uh, So what's an angel going to say? You know, because some angels came as avengers of the the Lord and didn't say a word and came out with their swords unsheathed. 
but this angel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So this passage is all about prayer. Uh, that's The people outside are praying. The incense is kind of uh, representing the prayers. And John is praying. So he's representing the nation. But we also see that one of the prayers that he brings forth is this prayer that they would have a child. And the angel says to him, that prayer is going to be answered. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, that's interesting because naming is a very important part of of parenting, and it's sort of a a right that's given to uh, uh, parents. And a lot of parents won't even tell you what names they're going to give the child until they uh, publicly uh, announce it. It, it. In a sense, don't take this wrong, but the parents are kind of the the owners and the ones that are responsible. And here the angel says this is actually determined by the by the Lord. So he's named, identified, seen by God, and uh, God's kind of in charge of him. So how are people going to respond? Verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's a harbinger of things to come, that's for sure. Even from his mother's womb. So he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. This is kind of a almost an argument to be a pro-life, that we find this person in the womb, pre-seen. We find him known. We see him filled at conception um, and a real uh, individual kind of a a person, even though he's not yet uh, born. So then we find out what happens to him. Verse 16, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So something is coming. We're not even done with this passage. There's more. I'm going to stop here today. There's more about John the Baptist before we even get to Jesus, which is just so fascinating. So here, in conclusion, we find that God is showing up after 400 years of spiritual silence, and we find him sovereign amidst even bad circumstances. And uh, the passage has a big undertone of praying. I was just a great question is if your prayers of the last day were answered completely, what would change in the world? So we see here that that this man's prayer and this woman's prayer has been heard. And in his case, the answer is going to be yes. And I guess, okay, the, the angel scenario, it's okay to be rattled when you experience some sort of a heavenly uh, contact. And then finally, at the end, we see these hearts being turned by this person, John the Baptist, that God is in the business of turning hearts. And maybe he's turning your heart today. Uh, Maybe there's something in the lesson. Maybe it's about childbirth or uh, uh, maybe even this very pro-life thing has probably hopefully convicted a few people. Um, But we see that I pray, Lord, I pray for grace and repentance for those who have hearts have been turned today. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys tomorrow.